0: We're going to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you that you are the Word become flesh. And Father, every time we open your Word or talk about your Word, we talk about you. And Father, we want, Lord, as I communicate your Word this morning, Lord, my my tongue be the pen of a ready writer. As I've prepared this message, I thank you, Lord, for your direction, your leading, and I believe your Spirit speaking into my life to be able to speak into our lives this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. It is life transforming in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Fantastic. So we've been looking at our identity and how important it is to know who we are in Christ. And, and we talked about the first Adam and how he was a living being. We talked about the last Adam and he's a life-giving spirit and how we can identify with the flesh according to Adam or how we can identify according to the spirit and live how Jesus would want us to. And it's that definition or that that distinction that you and I need to recognize in our life. Those moments when we live according to the flesh, when we want our own way or or we're being selfish about something, very often what we're doing is living according to our first Adam nature. Um, And then when we feel like we're living spiritual and we're living right, uh, we're living according to the Spirit of Christ who now lives in us. And it's so important that we yield to the Spirit of God in us. You know, We can live with the fruit of the Spirit. We spoke about that. Um, The nine fruits of the Spirit are ours. They've been deposited. And as we lean to the Spirit of God, we will lean to the things of God in our life. So knowing our true identity has an incredible impact on every sphere of our life. Every aspect of our life will be influenced as we yield to the spirit of Christ in us, as we yield to him, as we yield to the word of God, as we yield to the spirit of Christ in us. Guess what? It affects your relationship, your marriage. It will um, have an effect upon your relationship with your children. It will have an effect of how you work in your work ethic. It will have an effect upon your finance and how you are a good steward before God in all that you do. It will have an attitude or, or an effect upon the... Attitude that you carry in life, whether you walk humbly before God or whether you're walking proudful, it will have an effect upon uh, the fact of whether you walk joyful. Because joy is a spirit, a spiritual thing. It's not happiness is conditioned to the things around you, but joy is a spiritual element. And as we yield to the Spirit of Christ in us, you can experience joy in the hardest of situations. You can go through life in, in an incredible way as we yield to the spirit of God rather than yielding to the spirit of man or of the flesh. And it will affect every area of our life for the good. When we yield to the spirit of Adam or the life of Adam, the natural, it is, it's likely to have a negative effect upon everything. I believe pessimists very often i don't believe jesus was a pessimist to you i believe jesus was an optimist i believe he was a i believe he was real he knew what life he realist if you like in that sense but he was an optimist i wish that none should perish that it all would come to the knowledge of the truth that's not a pessimist speaking that is an optimist i desire that all would come to the knowledge of the truth i believe when we shrink back to being pessimistic we're living according to Adam when we choose to live with an optimistic outlook in life we'll yield into the spirit of Christ in us because the spirit of Christ is not a defeatist or um, God looks at the best aren't you so thankful because when God looks at you he sees the best you (laughs) <laughs> otherwise if he, wasn't, if he was a pessimist he'd look at you and think oh there's no hope <laughs> it's true isn't it there's no hope for them the times I've helped them the times I've bailed them out but Jesus isn't a pessimist he is an optimist and I believe as we yield to the spirit of Christ we're yielding to an optimistic positive way of looking at life and seeing life seeing ourselves as God sees us is key to the journey of your life. How you see you is very often different to how God sees you. I wonder how many of us look in the mirror, first thing in the morning, any morning, it doesn't matter what morning, and we look at ourselves in the mirror and think, if only I could get over this. If only I could get through today. If only I didn't look as bad as I do. And yet when God looks at you, he says, you are my creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When he looks at you, he says, you are my masterpiece. And yet we can look in the mirror and think, I don't feel like a masterpiece. That's us living according to the Adam rather than living to who Jesus says we are. It is so important that we're living according to how Christ Jesus sees us. How God the Father sees us. He sees you as one who has victory. He sees you as one who walks in life and triumphs. He sees you as an overcomer. We see ourselves as sometimes defeated or as a failure or not being able to hit the mark all of the time. The way in which we see ourselves and how God sees us is incredibly different. We finished with this scripture from the book of Colossians last week, and I'm just going to mention it and then move on from here. It says this, As you, therefore, have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received him, by grace you have been saved. As you received him by grace, therefore continue to walk in him by grace. Not thinking that you've achieved it, or you've made it, or you're you're some... The moment you come into the equation, I believe we walk in Adam. The moment we say, I'm in him, we're in Christ Jesus. See, in myself, in my natural self, there is no good thing, Paul said. What are you saying? He was saying, if I live according to who I am in Adam, as a living being, there is no good thing. But as I live according to who I am in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's perspective and it's awareness. We need to walk in Christ. What does it mean to walk in Christ? I believe there's this act or this this progress in each of our lives. To walk, if I stood still, there's no action, there's no movement. The moment I begin to walk in Christ Jesus, there is movement. We should all be moving toward our... uh, uh, a holy pursuit of God. Every one of us should be in pursuit. Some of us may be running. Some of us may be walking. But there should be movement in all of of our lives. I don't believe we should be sitting there saying, I've got there. I've made it. I've achieved. We haven't. Even Paul says, I have run my race. I have finished the course. There is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness in heaven. He kept going to the very end of his life. So there is this onward spiritual maturing in our life. And I believe every one of us, we, like I've said before, the, the word of God is so deep. And we scratch the surface and think we know it all. And yet when we have revelation, a deeper revelation, the, an, an awakening to the word, all of a sudden it becomes, takes on new meaning. And I don't want any of us to get to that place where we become satisfied with the meals that we have. Do you know what, when Jane, Jane's not here this morning. When, when we first got married, I am so pleased I didn't settle for the meals that Jane gave me. There was progress. The f- one of the first meals that Jane ever did was a roast dinner. I could honestly, I, I could squish the Yorkshire pudding together and throw it off the wall as a ball I'm pleased Jane's not here this morning please don't tell her this the gravy was the gravy was like water it, it, the, the first few few weeks of, on our wedding not the wedding day we had our wedding night the first night that we were alone after our honeymoon night Okay, this is the first day of the honeymoon Jane gets up early, and she does me toast like she likes toast. It's like I don't like my toast like this. It's our first conversation? I don't know how I've got, I don't know how I've gone here. Okay. So Jane, Jane does toast, and she would stand them up so that they dry out and crisp a little bit, go a little bit hard. I like mine so it's still warm, and you can put all the butter, and it's all soaked into. Soggy, yes. I said, What are you doing to my toast? I, w- I wasn't a particularly nice individual. I wasn't as polite as I am now. And I told her, What are you doing with my toast? That's not how you do my toast. Let me see if I can guess where I am. We're progressing towards maturity. That's where I'm going. I learnt very quickly that's not how you talk to your bride of 36 hours that wasn't the right part of the journey and I I matured quickly and thankfully so did Jane with her cooking bouncing off the walls Yorkshire pudding they, some of those early days the pizzas I'll tell you what you could have broken the lectum with the pizza it was like they were so hard and that was not in the first few weeks of marriage but Jane has become, a, in my opinion, a wonderful cook. Have I, have, I, have I dug myself out of the hole yet? Her food is beautiful. On International Sunday, I, I would advise everyone to go for the sweet and sour bulgy chicken. It's beautiful. Have I done it now? <laughs> we are all walking towards spiritual maturity. I'm still learning not to dig too many holes. As believers, we need to be pursuing. See, if, 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 I asked, if I asked this young man here to pursue me this morning and I started to run, he would get out of his chair and start pursuing me around the room. Now, the chances are, because he's young and fit, he would overtake me as I'm running around the room. But do you know what? We should be pursuing Jesus. We should be pursuing him with all of our heart. Not just jogging around, not just chugging along, but our heart should be so excited about who he is and what he's done. See, oh, I could go down rabbit holes everywhere here. So we need to be walking, running, and pursuing him with everything that's within us. As I was preparing this message, I came across this next scripture, and it's meant so much to me over the years. And, and as I as I checked it out, I, I I think it was I think it was last Sunday. As I was preaching, I thought, yes, this is where I need to go next. And this this passage of scripture, go away and meditate it. Meditate on it all week long. Don't just hear it this morning. Allow it to come alive in your heart afresh. Romans chapter five. Verse seventeen. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it from the word. I could just read it from Romans chapter five. Verse seventeen. It says For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one. Who's the one? Adam okay remember he was a he was a human being he was a living being the life of god was breathed into him for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one adam much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one jesus christ that is powerful The word of God is living and powerful, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, the thoughts and the intents of a heart. This word, let it go deep into your heart this morning. For by one man's offense, death reigned. Through what Adam did throughout the rest of history, until Jesus came, death reigned. That's incredible that one man could have such an influence on the whole of earth at that time. But much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign where? In life. Not when we get to heaven, in the sweet by and by, in the yonder, wherever we're going, you know, in the sweet yonder by. No, no, no. It's here in life. It's in your world, it's in what's going on in your life, it's here in your family, it's now. It's you reigning in life. You have been given that gift. I think this is, in many senses, this is spiritually discerned. Otherwise, it's just a word. It's like, oh, yeah, reigning. What is reigning? When you look at the queen, 70 years of reigning. She's reigned throughout her life. That's what you and I can do. Oh, we're not going to sit there with a crown and a throne and and, and be in a palace. But you can reign in life. If you're living according to the first Adam, you won't. Death will reign. But if you live according to the last Adam, Jesus, you can reign in life. That's huge. It means that you have been given dominion. Just like Adam was given dominion in the garden, but he was he 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 committed high treason and gave dominion away. Dominion has been given back to you and I. We have the right to walk with dominion on the face of the earth. That means that you rule and reign in every area that is connected to your life. We have been given divine authority. Jesus turned around and says, All power, all power has been given to me. Now you go in my name. We have been given all power. Power. There's no power on this earth that is greater than his power. All. Say all. Go on, say it with me. All. All power. In other words, all dunamis, explosive dynamite power has been given to you. That's not to go around blowing up things. It's it's so that you've got the power to destroy the works of the enemy when he comes against you. The power of heaven resides and has been given to you. All authority. A policeman standing in the middle of the road, he can stand there and go, stop. You'd have to be a pretty bold driver or a rubbish one to just go driving past him. Because he has authority. You have authority to say, stop, no more. See, this is spiritual stuff. Spiritually discerned, spiritually activated when you live according to the last Adam rather than according to the first. Dominion, power, authority, all those things are yours. Including the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. My question, I always like to ask us a question and I include me in it. Are we truly reigning in life? Are we truly reigning in life? Which means if the Queen was here and she said, I'd like a cup of water with my bottle. That's very nice, Lisa. It's so already going to get my cup. That's lovely. <laughs> she, all she has to do is say it, and it is so. When God said, let there be light, and it was so. What is the difference? We live according to the first Adam too often. When we should be living according to the second Adam, I can do nothing in myself, like Paul said, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I do have all power and all authority has been bestowed upon me in the name of Jesus because it's been given to us to use. The issue is, life should not be reigning over us circumstances should not be reigning over us. We have the power to say, stop. There may be things in your life right now and you need to say, stop. Some of, some of your grandchildren may be in a position where you say, stop. Stop. There may be a health issue that's going over your life and you need to say, stop, it's not going to encroach any further. It may have been a hereditary thing that's been passed down from generations to generations. You've got the power to say, stop. It doesn't have to follow through. You may have been in a family situation and your parents divorced and your grandparents divorced and your great-grandparents. You can turn around and say, stop, it's not coming here. There may have been abuse after abuse after abuse in your family, but hey, it stops right now. Why? Because you've been given authority and power to stop things here on this earth. It doesn't have to continue through the next line and the next generation. Generational curses, and you may not agree and you may not... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, and Jesus died on a cross for me, and the curse stopped with him. There are generational choices that what my parents did and what my grandparents did, and then I follow what my grandparents did. Some will say that's a generational curse. It's not. It's a generational choice. We all have a choice to make in life. But the curse stopped with Jesus. And when you became a new creation, created in Christ Jesus, a a person who never existed before, if you don't recognize that the old you died in Adam and the new you rose again in victory in Christ, then you will always be in this confusion. I'm under a curse. You're not. You're free from the curse because Jesus was accursed for you. All power. All authority has been given to me now. You go in my name. Are we reigning in this life? You know, I'm not turning I'm not turning around to you and saying, oh, everything's gonna work out fantastic. Your life is gonna be wrapped in spiritual bubble wrap. Oh, if only it was like that. Bad things do happen to good people. But do you know what? When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, or you walk through the valley of tears—the valley of Baca in Psalm 84—guess what the Word of God says? He can turn that valley of tears into a, a the valley of tears into a pools of springs, where refreshing comes. It's what we allow and how we walk in this life. I am certainly not belittling anybody's issues or problems or difficulties, but we can go through those things reigning in life rather than being swamped by them and overwhelmed by them and overcome by those issues. We still reign. It doesn't matter how big the issue is, we still reign. Because that's been bestowed on us in Christ. In 1 John 4 verse 17. It says this. Love has been perfected. Sorry, I'm going to have a drink. Love has been perfected amongst us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Again, you could just meditate on this for the rest of the day. As he is, so are we in this world. Is Jesus righteous? Absolute righteousness. Are we righteous? If we live according to our first Adam nature, no. There's none righteous. No, not none. If we live according to who we are in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all about identity. See, some of you in the room, you identify by your culture. You identify as a Caribbean or as an African or as a Pole. You identify by culture. Our identity is not by culture, our identity is by kingdom. You are kingdom and Caribbean. You are African and Caribbean. Sorry, no, you are kingdom and you're African. You are kingdom and Polish. You are kingdom and English. You are kingdom and Welsh. You are kingdom, but kingdom must always come first. But there are those who walk around and say, this is my culture. But culture should not interfere with Kingdom. You are by your culture because of who you are through kingdom. Kingdom come. Kingdom reign. His kingdom rules over all, the word of God says. Your culture does not reign over all. But the kingdom of God does. And I believe this is so, so important. As he is, so are we in this world. Is he righteous? Yes. Is he holy? Is Jesus holy? Come on, you can feed back to me. Is Jesus holy? Yes. Are we holy? Yes. When we're holy not because of how we've lived and how well we've lived. We are holy because it's been bestowed. The word of God says, "Be holy as I am holy." It's a it's been accounted to you it has been pushed into your it's been squeezed into your spiritual capacity as a human being you are holy is jesus all-powerful as he is so are we in this world are we all-powerful well that's a bit hard to swallow isn't it am i all-powerful really but if he is all-powerful and we are as he is in this world. Not when we get to heaven. Not when, again, in the sweet by and by. It's here. It's now. Is us living out our Christian experience, not according to the flesh or to Adam, the first, but according to Adam, the last, who went to the cross and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said, now you go in my name and gave us the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven to unlock and to release, to bind and, and withhold. He's given uh, I'll tell you what, the stuff that I'm sharing here today is just like this gold mine. This is a gold mine. Go away. Listen to it again. Dig it out. I can only take you to a certain level because of time. But go away and dig out the gold that's here. Because we have the right to live healed. We have the right to live blessed. We have the right to live favored. I used to say to the guys when I was, I was in, the post, in the post office, and they used to come around and, and do a sweepstake, you know, Jeff, you're going to buy a ticket this year. I said, This isn't fair. If I buy a ticket, you won't win. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a highly favored one. Yeah, would I have liked to have bought a lottery ticket the week before last and won 186 million? Oh, I would make you all millionaires. But would that do your faith in? Because some of you would be ready to use that in a wise way and with stewardship. Others, it would destroy your walk with God, because you're no longer trusting Him is oh what, what i would do 100 we, jane and i sat in the garden yesterday and we said "Ah, oh, if we had 186 million what would we do i'm not going to tell you what i'm going to do anyway <laughs> we have the right to be healed we have the right to be favored listen to this statement all right this is this is powerful what we possess in christ jesus today is more than what adam lost in the garden of eden Let that sink from your head to your heart. What we possess in Christ Jesus today is more than what Adam lost in the garden. See, I've heard Christians say for many years, Oh, if only we could go back to before Adam sinned. If only we would know what we've got in Christ Jesus. If only we knew what we had. Jesus, in this passage, he says, you've got the abundance of grace. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. What do we do with the gift of righteousness? What is righteousness? It is right standing before God. We are made right before God. But what do we do with his gift of rightness? All have sinned. We probably have all made a mistake this week and all sinned somewhere along the way. What do we do with that? You know, I've got a piece of paper. Here we go. We say, there you go, to your gift of righteousness. Whenever we make a mistake, whenever we fall short and we sin or, or we purposely go against what, we just throw his righteousness in, in his face. But do you know what? He says, He is faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness when we come back to him with a repentant heart. Why? Because he's the father. And just like with our own kids, our arms are open wide and we just say, look, we just want want this relationship to be right. That's the same with our father in heaven. We need to hold the, the soul of who we are when we fail, throws righteousness at him. But the spirit of who you are is always righteous. Let me qualify that. The spirit of who we are. The soul, we sin within the soul. You cannot sin within your spirit without petition. What have we gained? Um, um, time. Mm. Right. Oh, we could stop there and have part two next week. Part four next Part five next week. This is part four. I want to share this with you first. I'm going to share this with you. Yeah? Are you happy with that? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Someone's excited. I'm going to share this with you. And then we'll stop. We'll drink. And then fellowship together. Let me work out where I am. We're going to consider five areas of our position being greater than Adam's. All right? We have a more exalted position. Adam dwelt in an earthly paradise. True? How many of you would like to go, Oh, wouldn't it have been beautiful? Nothing ate. You didn't see didn't, animals weren't eating animals and people weren't killing people. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go back to that? Yes, in some senses. Adam dwelt in an earthly paradise. We as believers are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, that one thought, I may not get through them all. That one thought, I wonder how many of us would say, oh, I just want to go back. Wouldn't it be lovely to go back to, to the Garden of Eden? You know, there were no weeds. There was no sweat. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There wasn't horrible bosses. There wasn't sickness and disease. There was no death. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go back to Eden? Not when you know what it means to be seated in heavenly places. The reason why we would go back is because we don't know what we've been given. When we know what we've been given, we would never want to go back. So therefore we need to... See, let's am There's there's gold here. Go digging in the gold and get a revelation of what it means to be seated in heavenly places. Because you'll never want to go back to Eden when you know what you've been given. Let, Let me do number two. We have a nobler nature. What do I mean by that? Adam possessed an earthly body and a human nature. We as believers... Have become partakers of a divine nature. Why would we ever want to go back to what Adam had? Because what we have is so far greater. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to. This is like EastEnders. Is it still going? Is EastEnders still going? This is like Crossroads. Is Crossroads still going? I don't know what. I haven't had a TV for 28 years, so I have no idea. Whatever soap is on there that grips you and you need to watch the next episode, come back for more next Sunday. Because I believe this is, these, these, this is gold. And if we, could get, if we could grasp what it means not to be in the first Adam, and when we do behave like the first Adam, we recognize it and change quickly. And I'm talking to every. Husband and wife in the room, everyone who's got a bad boss or you got an attitude at work about what you do. When we behave like the first Adam, we behave out of our carnal nature. But when we behave from the last Adam, we will behave according to the heart that is in Christ Jesus. There's so much there for you to dig away at. We're going to finish there this morning and we'll come back. We'll come back to. Point number three next week. Um, If you are here and you've never been baptised, but you love Jesus, you've accepted him as your Lord and Saviour in your heart, we would love to baptise you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, It is a beautiful setting down at Second Chance, 26 acres of beautiful farmland, um, and it is just a wonderful opportunity. Um, Please speak to me. Um, if you would like to be baptized, that would be great. Um, if the word of God has spoken to you and the Holy Spirit has highlighted something in your life, talk about it. Share with somebody else this morning over coffee. Um, but just allow allow the word of God to continue to be alive in your heart. Be blessed this week, because that's your position. We are blessed. We're the head and not the tail. We're the... We're the we're the head, not the tail, We're the first and not the last, the beginning, not the end. We are what God has called us to be, amen? I could carry on preaching all day long. Some of you would like that, others if you wouldn't. So let's open that coffee hatch. Let's have some fellowship together and enjoy the rest of our day, all right? God bless you. Thank you.